Hello and welcome to episode 601 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It's my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Monday, July 24th, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us begin with the Monday prayer to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain holy perseverance. O Queen of Heaven, I, who was once a miserable slave of Lucifer, now dedicate myself to thee to be thy servant forever. I offer myself to honor thee and serve thee during my whole life. Do thou accept me and refuse me not, as I should deserve. O my mother, in thee have I placed all my hopes. From thee do I expect every grace. I bless and thank God, who in his mercy has given me this confidence in thee, which I consider a pledge of my salvation. Alas, miserable wretch that I am, I have hitherto fallen, because I have not had recourse to thee. I now hope that through the merits of Jesus Christ and thy prayers, I have obtained pardon. But I may again lose divine grace. The danger is not past. My enemies do not sleep. How many new temptations have I still to conquer? Ah, my most sweet lady, protect me and permit me not again to become their slave. Help me at all times. I know that thou wilt help me and that with thy help I shall conquer if I recommend myself to thee. But this is what I fear. I fear that in time of danger, I may neglect to call upon thee and thus be lost. I ask thee then for this grace. Obtain that in the assaults of hell I may always have recourse to thee, saying, Mary, help me. My mother, permit me not to lose my God. Today, friends, as part of the continuation of Natural Family Planning Awareness Week, we go back to 2013 and a series of entries at nfpandmore.com. Excuse me, nfpandmore.com. Org, nfpnmore.org, the website for Natural Family Planning International, Mr. John F. Kipley's Your Right to Know series. I've been speaking and will continue to do so about the importance of the right kind of marriage preparation program. And this is the second in that Your Right to Know series. He says, it may seem strange in 2013 to write about your right to know about cervical mucus as a fertility marker, but outside the NFP movement, proper education about cervical mucus as a sign of fertility seems to be hit or miss at best. For example, a study about the fertility awareness value of cervical mucus was published online just this past July 12th. Once again, he's writing in 2013 in Fertility and Sterility. This information is so basic that it's amazing to see it reported in a scientific journal. You certainly have a right to know about the value of cervical mucus, and you also have a right to know about its limitations. Almost every fertile age woman can identify it. It is a positive sign of the fertile time. It can work well for purposes of avoiding pregnancy, but it works better when used in a cross-checking way with waking temperatures. Cervical mucus was known to the ancients. Aristotle described a white discharge as well as a red discharge. In the story of the two daughters of Lot who got their father drunk so that he would impregnate them, see Genesis 19.30, a question is raised. How did they know the right days? I heard Dr. John Billings raise this question in a lecture years ago. A number of researchers had something to say about cervical mucus starting in the 18th and 19th century. In 1855, Dr. W. Tyler Smith noted that cervical mucus appears to afford a suitable medium for the passage of the spermatozoa through the cervix uteri into the uterine cavity. That from Jane Macharsky, History of the Biologic Control of Human Fertility. 
Many others commented on it, but the first to introduce the observation of cervical mucus into natural family planning instruction was Dr. Edward F. Keefe, a New York City OBGYN doctor who taught it to his patients. He first did this in 1949 by instructing users of his Ovulindex thermometer to note on their temperature charts a clear vaginal discharge seen for a few days before ovulation. In his 1953 Ovulindex booklet, he included a drawing to show how cervical mucus can be drawn out to a long, thin thread a day or two before ovulation. Mucharski notes that he also pointed out that a woman can determine the approach to the fertile time and the falling temperatures and the changes of the cervical mucus, the end of the fertile time and the rising temperatures. In 1954, in an exhibit at the Chicago meeting of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, Keefe emphasized that the probable date of the next ovulation cannot be predicted from calendar calculations or from basal body temperature studies alone without observation of cervical mucus. That was 10 years before Dr. John Billings published his book on the symptothermal method of natural family planning. Dr. John J. Billings taught the mucus sign in conjunction with the temperature sign in 1964, but by 1973, he had decided to use only the mucus sign by itself. What especially characterized the work of Dr. Billings and his wife, Dr. Evelyn L. Billings, was their focus on the peak symptom that we describe as the last day of the more fertile mucus before the drying up process begins. Wicharski reports that hormonal research with 22 women found that the peak day occurred in five women on the day of ovulation, in nine women one day before, and in four women two days before. The onset of the mucus occurred on the average 6.2 days before the estimated day of ovulation. That accounts for 18 of the 22, but what about the other four? In later research, Hilgers would find that ovulation sometimes occurs one or two or even three days after the peak day. The doctors Billings and their supporters vigorously promoted what they called the Billings ovulation method that relied solely on the mucus signs to determine the limits of the fertile time. That raised questions about its effectiveness relative to the other available natural systems. A study in Australia in 1978 found as follows. Number one, the symptoms and temperature method combined with pre-ovulatory calculations such as the 21-day rule generated 1.5% failures per 100 woman years of use. Number two, the symptoms and temperature method combined with pre-ovulatory cervical mucus appearance instead of something like the 21-day rule generated 3.39% failures. And number three, the ovulation method alone generated an associated failure rate of 11.2 pregnancies per 100 woman years, end quote. It is not clear from Mucharski if these rates were perfect use or imperfect use or generic total rate. An NIH study in Los Angeles found an OM imperfect use rate of 39.7 and an STM imperfect use rate of 13.7 pregnancies per 100 years of use. The OM group experienced six perfect use pregnancies. The STM group experienced zero perfect use pregnancies. The advocates of the mucus-only systems continue to claim great effectiveness in avoiding pregnancy based on their own studies and methods of evaluating pregnancies. However, whenever a comparative study has been conducted, it has shown that those couples who use cross-checking signs have much higher effectiveness rates in terms of avoiding pregnancy. One of the great advantages of cervical mucus is its advanced indication of fertility. 
The woman who is well experienced in mucus observations and interpretations will be able to put this knowledge to good use during the irregularities of premenopause and during the delay of postpartum fertility, especially when breastfeeding. Summary. Cervical mucus is essential for mutual fertility since it provides a medium for sperm transport and an environment favorable to sperm life. Its presence can be noticed by almost all women at the most fertile time. Its use in fertility awareness was first promoted in the United States by Dr. Edward Keefe in the 1950s in conjunction with other signs of fertility and infertility. Comparative effectiveness studies about avoiding pregnancy favor using mucus in a cross-checking way with other fertility markers instead of just by itself. And that is something you have a right to know. John F. Kipley, July 28, 2013. As I said, in a world that is marked by ubiquitous um, use of birth control pills and condoms and the like, which has simply increased lust in in the world. Um, Nothing is being controlled, so to speak. People are more or less out of control. And of course, women have found a lot of different problems with use of the birth control pill. Um, Elevated risk of cancer, uh, weight gain. There have even been several studies that women who are on birth control pills, it messes up their hormones so much that it affects the men they are attracted to. And when they come off the birth control pill, um, I've personally known a a woman who, who said this herself, her attractiveness to her partner, who eventually became her husband, lessened. And she wondered, would I have chosen this man if I had not been on the birth control pill. So it even affects your ability to properly choose a mate. Um, Not to mention the fact that it is intrinsically evil. So we need to get away from the birth control pill culture to a culture of chastity, modesty, self-control, and chastity within marriage. And the way to do that as Mr. Kipley and Mrs. Kipley have talked about many, many times and many others in the marriage preparation movement is having the right kind of marriage preparation program that teaches everything you need to know about morality, about, you know, the beautiful way that a husband and their wife conceive in accordance with God's plan. So we will continue to look at this um, in the coming days, and I hope it will be instructive and perhaps guide you toward learning more and reading uh, more books from the Kipleys, as I have, um, such as Sex Sex and the Marriage Covenant, A a Basis for Morality. It was a, a wonderful work by Mr. Kipley. Again, all these materials and more available at nfpandmore.org. That's nfpandmore.org. We have the fullness of the truth in the Catholic Church, and we need to be able to share it. Because as the apologist Jim Burnham once said, what we have here in Catholicism is more precious than a cure for cancer. Imagine how wonderful it would be if we had a cure for cancer, how many lives could be saved. 
But, you know, people would eventually die of something else, heart disease or, or whatever, old age. In Catholicism, we have the keys to the kingdom, eternal life, the religion that God wants you to be a part of, the religion that God wants every man, woman, and child on earth to be a part of, supernatural life, the kingdom of heaven, everlasting bliss and happiness with our Lord Jesus Christ and the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph and all the angels and saints for eternity. That is far more precious, infinitely more precious than even a cure for cancer. So let's get the word out there. We want everyone we know to be Catholic and what a blessing it is to be a part of the Catholic religion. I will conclude once again by mentioning Helping Autism Through Learning and Outreach, available on the web at halo hyphen S-O-M-A dot org. That's H-A-L-O hyphen S-O-M-A dot org. Also, episodes 277 and 548 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast, which feature interviews by me and a gentleman from Word on Fire, a Catholic evangelization group with my wonderful sister and equally wonderful niece pertaining to RPM. What is RPM? I'm so glad you asked. It is an acronym for Rapid Prompting Method, which is a system of communication for non-speakers. Just as sign language was a revolutionary breakthrough in terms of being able to communicate for the deaf, so RPM has been a revolutionary breakthrough for non-speakers. Think of how frustrated you would be if you were totally unable to communicate. You couldn't even tell people what clothes you liked wearing or your favorite sports team or what you want for breakfast, let alone what your hopes and your dreams are. Before about the age of eight or so, we didn't even know my niece's favorite color. We just had to guess at what she wanted. And a lot of times we guess wrong. Of course, it was very frustrating for us and a lot more frustrating for her. Now, since RPM has come into our lives, we know that she's a comprehensive genius. She can compose music. She even knows foreign languages. She's very gifted in regards to mathematics and a whole host of other things. We knew none of that prior to her breakthrough to open communication. So please get that website out there. Get those episodes of Our Lady's podcast out there because communication is a human right. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you back here tomorrow. Goodbye and God love you.